Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, Day 35. And this is a bonus episode. It's now been 10 weeks, two days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Now why is this a bonus, Lori, you say? That's because I had no intention whatsoever of recording today. I was gonna stick around home and, and take care of the 2,000 CDs that aren't cat related, but that I still wanted to burn, do some chores around the house. But I was updating the website and I was contacted by a couple of you brave companions and that really got me thinking. And when I'm thinking, I wanna be walking. And when I'm walking anymore, I've gotta be talking. So you guys get a bonus episode, which we'll get to as soon as we come back from listening to our opening snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting you know, I just cannot recommend Josh Woodward's song, I'm Letting Go Enough. So if you haven't done so, go click over to his website. The link is on Compulsive Overeating Diary every single day. And this day happens to be 35. Because he gives you this music for free. If you wish, you can donate to him. And he also has a Kickstarter campaign going on right now that a few of you I know have also supported. But this song just so speaks to me. That's why I play the opening every day and end the show with it, almost every single show. So I think that's something that all of us could maybe use is a go-to song or a go-to thing to listen to when we're feeling stressed or when we wanna be reminded of our goals. And for me, Josh's song is one of my big techniques for when I need encouragement. I also want to let you know that today I'm recording while I'm walking in my local park. And since I am going to be walking and talking and thinking today, you're going to hear my breathing a little bit more than when I'm sitting in my upper Zen place on the mountain or sitting on a bench in Descanso, but I really needed a walk. So you're gonna hear that, <laughs> my breathing, my footsteps, kids at play, birds, maybe some traffic when I go at the part of the park that's more close to the road. But none of that matters to me. I'm gonna to try to make the, the sound as good as I can, but today's really a bonus episode where I just had stuff to think about. Now, the first thing, I wanna think about it, but I also really, really want your help, companions, because I was contacted by one of you who wants to be private, and in order to respect her privacy, I'm going to come up with an alias and for my alias, I'm choosing to use my mama cat's name, which is Gracie. So, private listener, you know who you are. For the rest of this episode, you're going to be Gracie. So Gracie contacted me because she would like to have some input from all of you brave companions. She, in her past, has suffered from different eating disorders, and recently, up until about a year and a half ago, from anorexia. 
Now, for those of you, I'm sure you know what anorexia is, but that's where you just limit your calories so far and exert such control over how much you eat that you can bring your body weight down to severe, severe malnourishment and really be life-threatening. It's no joke to be having anorexia in your life or even hints of anorexia. And a lot of it, as far as I understand, now I've not suffered from anorexia, but I do have some compulsion kinds of things going on in my mind. But a lot of anorexics, it's a lot about control, having control over things. And body weight is one of them, okay? So it's not unusual that listener Gracie, when she got into recovery for anorexia with the help of a therapist and support, got a little bit into binge eating as a reaction. Because when you've been holding yourself super tight, I mean, I do this too if I diet for an extended period of time, especially if I bring my calories too low, I will go absolutely nuts. And I also go nuts if, say, I'm having a streak of perfect eating, what I will call perfect eating, where I'm eating healthy foods, not eating carbs, or whatever I'm defining as perfect eating, and I have a good streak of that. And then something happens, maybe I'm out with friends or I'm someplace where I can't get my perfect food, and so I slip and have one bite of something that isn't what I planned, isn't something that would match my definition of perfection, that will cause me to derail in the past, go nutso, say what the hell, and just eat anything that had ever been in my mind that I wanted to eat at all during the time that I was on a calorie deprivation, particularly when it's a food limiting type diet. Enough about me, Gracie. I'm only saying all of this to let you know that in a small measure, I have a feeling of what you're dealing with. And one of my very early episodes, I can't remember which now, it might have been episode three. I know it was really early when I started and I decided I would go ahead and count calories a little bit again, which is kind of a dangerous activity for me because I am so compulsive. And being within a calorie range can sometimes trigger me to, to have a problem. And that episode was all about the balance, the binge diet balance. And that's kind of what you're facing here, is you now have more weight on your body than you want to have, and you're not feeling good, and you're not feeling healthy. And so you would like to have some way to take some of this weight off without triggering your anorexia demons again. And I'll have to say that from our communications, I can tell that Gracie is pretty self-aware of this and is very cognizant of the danger and the trickiness of this balance. On the one hand, she wants to lose a little bit of weight to feel better. On the other hand, she doesn't want to put herself in harm's way. So my first thought was that I think that she should maybe find a therapist in her new location, some support there, 
before she even considers going on any kind of commercial or other diet program to kind of have that built-in supervision. I actually think Weight Watchers is an excellent commercial diet program, especially if you go for the live support, but it isn't intended to support you in the eating disorder realm. It's better suited for those who have some pounds on them and could use some support to stick with their diet. But if you have an eating disorder, I, I really don't think that a commercial diet or any kind of diet by itself is a great way to go. That's my feeling. So now you've heard from me, Gracie wants to hear from you. Are any of you in her situation or have been in her situation, are any of you recovering from an eating disorder and have been able to successfully find this balance of how you can maintain a healthier weight without going right back down the rabbit hole? So that's our question. And brave companions, even if you have never ever reached out to me before, please do so for Gracie. You can do it on the contact form at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. You can use the Bravery Hotline, and I won't play your name or any of your message unless you give me permission to. You can use SpeakPipe any way that you can reach out and communicate your tips or go on day 35 and post your comment. You can even go make yourself a Gmail address for only this purpose. <laughs> Don't use your real email address. You know, make one like bravecompanion1 at gmail.com. But come if you have any input for Gracie to day 35 or contact me and we'll pass these tips along. Well, Gracie, I hope that this covered your questions. And I do know this that the brave companions who've been communicating all around thus far are lovely people who really care about each other and I think that they care about you. So know that. We're all here. We care about you. Feel free to contact me again or to post your questions online, whatever you're comfortable with. And do please find a support group or a therapist in your area because I think that will give you a lot of good help and help you make the healthiest decision. I would also say if you haven't done it, maybe go to the doctor just to check in about where your weight is. You know, it is possible you might really have a few pounds that you could stand to lose, but it might be also that even though in your mind you're looking kind of big, you might actually be at a weight that is not unhealthy. And either which way that that falls, and don't just poo-poo me and say, well, Lori, of course I'm overweight, I know it. You know, you don't know for fact. Go find out, find out what you're dealing with. And if you are overweight, according to the doctor, find out how much weight really would be healthy for you to lose. And then I would say, however you do it, do it one, with support, and two, try to do it really, really slowly. Don't limit your calories way down. That's what I'm doing right now because, you know, it's just not worth it. All the best to you. And this is a great segue into comment number two. 
My friend Cheryl, who commented all over the place in the first several episodes of Compulsive Overeating Diary, has been my online friend and supporter for more years than I care to remember, Cheryl. I hate to think how long we've been knowing each other and following our dieting and life woes through various sites. But Cheryl was interrupted in her ongoing flow of support by a temporary job. And today is the day she gets off the leash. Hooray! So she gets to get out of that mindless, brainless, sorry, temporary job people, but mindless, brainless, stupefying job for a creative, wonderful sage of wisdom like Cheryl. This was a terrible experience. But the upside is Cheryl's been coming to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, going back through some of the old episodes. I can't expect her to go back through all of them. This is episode 35. My goodness. But one of the ones that Cheryl chose to comment on to me was about the scale. I believe it was on day 31. And we were talking a little bit about how the scale isn't really something that you can deal with. But almost as a throwaway, Cheryl told me at the end of her comment, Lori, I hope that you will find this, what you're doing, meaning my blog and my podcast, fulfilling. And I thought about that. And I realized that I don't think I've done anything in my life that makes me feel happier or more fulfilled, fulfilled than talking to you brave companions about my own thoughts, feelings around my issue. Now that's a strange kind of a howdy-do, the closest thing that I can think of that gave me the same feeling was when I was an elementary school teacher, I really loved that moment when the kids didn't understand something and then you were able to teach it or explain it or support them in such a way as that all of a sudden the light bulb would go on and you'd see the look on their face as they realized, I do understand. Or when you would read their stories that they've written or when they would get excited about a topic, or maybe they were really into science. But whatever those kids were up to, when they had that moment, that moment of clarity and that moment of feeling really good about themselves, because in elementary school, it was hard kind of for me to relive that (laughs) as a teacher even, because my elementary school years were filled, as we talked about a little bit, with a lot of bullying, a lot of isolation from my weight, and just for me being kind of an odd kid. I didn't really speak kid as well as other kids, if that makes sense to you. I always was sort of the odd duck, the last one picked in the team, the one the teacher would corner in order to help the other kids with their schoolwork and so they would always call me teacher's pet or you know brainiac or things like that so I was always trying to pretend to be not as smart as they thought I was I was trying to like dumb myself down to appear more normal just like I was always trying to thin myself down (laughs) in some way or another but I had very little good information there really weren't programs for childhood obesity And something that we know today is that if you have like a a fat kid in your family, you don't really treat the fat kid. (laughs) What you do is you treat the whole darn family because it's the whole dynamic that's gone awry. And usually 
and I'm not a doctor either, but I could tell you also from experience, you don't lock the kids' treats in the freezer and say you can't have any. That doesn't help with eating disorder issues or for the obesity. What you do do is as a family start to become more active and do fun things. You know, you eat healthy as a family. You don't put this big emphasis on the kid. You don't put your laser focus on the kid. You just incorporate healthiness. And I think one of the most genius things that I've ever heard when it comes to dealing with childhood obesity is instead of saying like, you shouldn't eat that or do you think you want to eat that, is to equate calories to energy. Like, oh, are you still hungry? Do you, have you been playing a lot today? Do you think you're going to need some more energy to go out and kick the ball some more tonight? Kind of that way. Now, I don't mean to off track into a childhood obesity thing, but, but anyhow. I have some, some memories of my own childhood in elementary school that just were not fun for me. And so I think that gave me extra compassion as a teacher for all kinds of kids and all kinds of things that they might be going through. I often got the kids that were a bit of a handful because I was pretty successful with those kids that were a handful. So I tended to get them. And that was pretty stressful on me too, but I loved it when the kids would succeed. I think I gave to those kids what I always was hoping that I would get myself, which is encouragement and recognition for the individual skills and talents that every single kid, every single kid has some skills and talents that make them special and unique and wonderful. And I've taught hundreds of kids, even though I was only an elementary school teacher for five and a half years, I taught lots of them. I was even a substitute teacher for about a year when I was starting out. So I've seen kids from kindergarten all the way up to high school age, and every one of them have something to be proud of, something that's cool, and it's not just new age mumbo jumbo. I'm telling you as a fact, every single kid I ever ran into, when you scratched under the surface, had something cool. And that's what I tried to do as a teacher. But when I moved to California, I actually switched careers, became like a technical writer for a software company and the technical trainer. And that's how I kind of got into the whole techie realm was I segued my teaching experience into technical writing and training experience. next thing that I did that I was super proud of was when I got into technology was to build a website for kids at the start of the internet when the internet became popular. I thought the stuff on there for kids was crap, pardon my French. I thought it was a lot of kids looking online passively and clicking on Mickey Mouse and doing things like that. And I said, the internet needs something that would encourage the kids themselves to use their creativity, to be creative, write stories, do art, make their own websites. So I used a character that I had used as a teacher called Tunicat, and Tunicat's Kids Club was born. I had it for about three years, and Tunicat as a character online reached out to kids. And they sent in their stories, their poems. We reviewed books and websites. And it was the most wonderful feeling. 
And these kids would write letters to Tunicat, my character, and tell me that having their story posted on there, winning a free t-shirt, whatever it was that I did to encourage these kids made a difference in their life. Okay, so I see this theme here, right? As a school teacher, I felt like I was making a difference for these kids. I was trying to give the kids what I felt I had not achieved, which is the true recognition for who they were and find that special thing about that kid. So it doesn't take a psychologist to know that Lori, the adult, was hoping somehow, someday, to get someone to recognize what is the special cool thing about me? Not the thing that I worked super hard to achieve at, because I do, well, at least two. I used to learn very quickly before my bike accident. So I could learn a lot of things and I could try to achieve at a lot of things. But none of them were my natural skill. All of them were things that I tried really hard to achieve at. And in my compulsive brain, I always thought that I was a B plus person and never an A. I felt like, God, if only I could be like super good at something. You know, like I wish when I opened my mouth to sing, Julie Andrews came out naturally. Well, there's very few people that are born a wonderfully talented singer. You know, you have the pipes, you might have an ear, you might come from a musical family, but it still takes some work, right? But I always had this dream like that, gosh, let's put on the show kind of dream. Well, sir, where someday, somehow, I would do some activity and it would turn out to be my talent, my God-given, natural, good talent, that thing that I could do without me having to work so hard all the time to be good at it. And I've had a lot of different careers. Like I said, I was a database developer, for heaven's sakes. I can't think of anything more opposite to my character than being a database developer. But I did it. I was successful at it. But that was not my talent. I had to work really, really hard at it. Even acting I was pretty good at, but I really, really had to work at it. The closest thing that I can think of that I was pretty naturally good at was speaking engagements. I would go around and do different seminars and create different curriculums and, and give speeches at the, at the drop of a hat. I could always talk. But until now, talking was seen as a downside, not as an upside, right? <laughs> if you're in the corporate meeting, you can't dominate a conversation. You pretty much come up with bullet points on PowerPoint for that. <laughs> and even in friendships and in marriage and in day-to-day -day living, you can't just spill your guts. You can't go on and on spilling your thoughts. Maybe writers can. They spill their thoughts across the page. And I even have done my fair share of writing. And I'm pretty good at writing, but it's not my talent. It's something I do, and I like the story aspect of making an article or doing a column or even writing a blog post. But what I truly, truly love is telling, physically speaking and telling a story. I am a natural born storyteller. And what kind of stories do I have? Well, all writing advice is tell what you know, write what you know, do what you know. And brave companions, when we think about it, what do I know? I have a compulsive overeating brain. Everything in life I have viewed through a lens of 
Am I fat? Am I thin? Am I fat? Am I thin? How much am I eating? What am I doing? All of the ins and outs, low carb, high carb, low fat, Atkins, Weight Watchers, weightlifting, everything except for weight loss surgery, I pretty much have done. So what do I know? I know what it feels like to deal with compulsive overeating. I know what it feels like to have the robot aliens come down and kidnap you and thrust their arms inside of your arms and take those chips and put them down your gullet. But I also know how to encourage people. I've always been a good coach for others. But this time, I feel like I am a good encourager for you, brave companions. But to answer Cheryl's question, I think the reason I'm so happy right now, I'm so happy right now I'm actually crying in the middle of the park on a hot day on this walk. The reason I'm so very happy is because for the first time, I feel like I'm that encouraging coach to myself. I look at Lori in the mirror and I say, Lori, I know that special thing that makes you unique in all the world. You were born to have an experiment to see if you could talk about your thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating instead of heading for the chips. And dear companions, if that's true, then all of the pain, all of what I've experienced, even my very weight that I weigh today, over 200 pounds, as Cheryl said, the weight is a strong motivator for you. Every single thing has prepared me to be who I am today, talking to you, and I'm hoping that somewhere in this world, this story is making a difference for you because I know that it's made a huge difference just telling it for me. Until next time, brave companions, take care because I care. A slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. I'm letting go